0: Afternoon church. I woke I walked in this morning saying good morning to everybody. It was just so confused, really frazzled. And and um yeah, like like follow, I got the message um that I that I had to preach today. And I wish I was filled with as much happiness as he was at the time. Fortunately, gradually the happiness kind of kind of came upon me and and here I am today feeling really happy to share with you a, a message. So here we go. Today's message is going to be if you're writing notes you can entitle it forgiveness as a witness and how forgiveness how the forgiveness that we show is a witness to other people that's what that's what we're going to go through today. So the scripture we want us to, I want us to focus on this morning this there you go this afternoon is um 1 Peter 3:9. I uh, give us a second just to turn to that just in case you want to highlight and make notes. 1 Peter 3:9 reads do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. That's from the English Standard Version. This is a, this is a, um, this is a charge. So this is written by Peter in First Peter, and um, just to give you context. The, the starting from the second half of chapter two, going into the beginning of chapter three. What Peter is writing about is how to live a godly life in the midst of a pagan society, in the midst of a secular society, how to shine your light, how to be a witness and go against the grain of the world and show uh, godliness and holiness. And um, this scripture talks about, like followers was saying, not repaying evil for evil or reviling for reviling. That's the first part of the scripture. So I, also, I want us to break each part of the scripture down and and, and talk about it separately. So do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Um, we all know, at least, that's my understanding, is we all know the the, the feeling of, of, of retaliation. You know, when somebody does something to you that just... You, that, that one thing that gets you, you know, and it's all different. It's different for all of us. If you're anything like me, um, if somebody rubs you off the wrong way, I, I'll give you an example of... Um, when, man, when a manager made me stay extra long one day at work, and the next day I came in and um, conveniently pretended like I couldn't hear them. My headphones in, you know, just not listening to anything anybody's saying. No, you know, no, no, no forgiveness there. Just repaying them with being completely unhelpful. Small, th- a small thing, but that's that's how I express it in a subtle way. I'm a quite a chill guy, but so, so it's not going to be anything violent. But you know, <laughs> but you know. Y- whether, whether it's subtle or overt, you know, the, the repayment was there of, of not wanting to help that person because I, I, I didn't have any forgiveness for them. Or it could, if you're anything like me, again, it could look like eating the last magnum in the freezer because, you know, somebody in the house maybe said something to me that I didn't really appreciate. <laughs> Petty, I know. But it's, 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 it's something that, it's, it's, it's my expression. We all know what it means to retaliate. You know, now my wife knows how petty I, I can be. If she didn't know that already, this she's not in her head. Yeah, <laughs> I'll buy some more Magnums. Um, but none of us are, are, are immune to that desire to retaliate when we feel like we've been wronged by somebody. Um, when we feel like we're the people that we've been wronged. Nobody taught us how to retaliate. It's almost kind of, it's, it's in us, we're born sinners. And it's God that transforms us and gives us the ability to forgive. And it's because he has forgiven us greatly. We move on to the next part of the scripture where it says, again, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Now, when you hear the word bless, what what, what comes to mind? It's I'll tell you, <laughs> it's word and an action. When you're blessing somebody, you speak a word. You say something good to them. You bless them with a word. It goes out. It goes forth. It could be an action. You can bless somebody with money. You can give somebody something. That's, that's a blessing. Right? So this ble- where it says bless on the contrary, bless, it, it speaks of words that go out or, or an action that goes out. But I would hazard to also add to that that there is a heart behind the blessing as well because you can say nice things to people and not mean it. And that is hypocrisy. If we're we're honest with ourselves. To bless means to have a heart and have a disposition of, I want your well-being. So even when somebody's done you wrong, on the contrary, bless. Have a heart that says, actually, I want you to do well. I'm not seeking revenge, but in my heart, in my heart of hearts. there's There's a favorite quote that I have. Some people may know, I say it all the time, but the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside if the heart is, is rotten, if the heart is not wanting or desiring you know, well-being for another person when you're saying something. Right? So the blessing calls for us to have a change of heart because we did not have this heart to start with. God has given us this heart. Speaking of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18.35, it says, Unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Just to kind of summarize, this is that there was the story about the the master that forgave the servant much. I think it describes it in some versions of the Bible as a debt of a million dollars. He couldn't repay it. But then this same servant, when somebody owed him even less money, was completely unforgiving, and the master was upset. It's a parable of the kingdom of God. If we don't forgive our own brothers a small amount, how can how can we expect to to, to, to receive or how can, we, how can we say that we truly trust God for the millions or the billions or the trillions it's not even a number a million dollars is just something to put a figure in our head but actually it's for eternity that we've been saved we cannot put a, the song says I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross right and for us to then approach somebody and, and not feel like we can forgive such a small amount in comparison to eternity doesn't make sense the next part of the scripture, again, starting from the beginning, says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain the blessing. Earlier on, like I said in First Peter chapter 2, just before this, the fourth, fourth of this you have been called is repeated again, but instead speaking of servants that may suffer under a, a harsh or ruthless um, master, Um, And so in in 1 Peter 2.21, which I'm just going to turn to now actually and read. We'll start from verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. That's a challenge. For this is is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it? If when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. So this is speaking, this is is, um, showing how it really applies in a really special way, because back then a lot of Christians were servants to masters. Uh, when, when this was written. This, this shows how it applies to different types of people. But what is your context? Think about your context. Do you go to work? Do you have a manager? Do you have parents? Do you have even friends? Because these are all people that are involved in our lives, that have the potential to, to hurt us, that we can suffer under when they do something wrong to us. But it says in the Bible that we've been called to this, and the same thing in First Peter three nine. I'll read it again: Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called. We were called to this. Sometimes, you I mean, even to stop now and think about if somebody was to ask you, "What's your calling?" Close your eyes, just think about it. You know, probably see yourself maybe off on a big stage somewhere. You know, loads of money. Um, you know, all, all, all the all the wonderful things that we attributes of calling you know a future of, of prosperity prosperity but there are many many things that we're called to as christians and forgiveness is one of them All right so yeah because christ suffered for us god died in our place to forgive our sins but not only that he died to give us an example of how to respond to mistreatment so what how do we how do we respond what, do, what does it mean what does it mean? I'm going to read from later on in the chapter now. First Peter three thirteen 13-15. It says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, see that word, hearts again, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is, a, I think, a great rounding off passage for, for me. when we're, Coming from the scripture that says, do not repay evil for evil, it then says and talks of the confidence that we can have in Christ. We should not, be, uh, we, we should not fear harm if we are eager to do good. If we've done good, we are protected. God is sovereign in our lives. He will work things out for our good because we trust in him. You know, how do we experience this change in our hearts? What value would you place on what God has done for you? How do we experience this change? It's about trusting God. There is a uniqueness to our witness, to, the, to a world that has not yet shared the hope that we have. You know, if because we understand what Christ has done for us, We know what it is to forgive. We know what it is to receive that $1 million write-off where we owe so much to him, and yet it's written off. So how can we refuse, again, putting it in money terms, but there's so many other ways it goes, but how can we refuse a $10 debt or a 10 pounds debt of our brother and sister when we've been forgiven so much? We can't. We can't. We must accept that this is our calling, to be forgivers. We are forgivers. This is what we do. And I know there's, it's, it's not always small things. Some, some, I know some of us here may have been hurt so, so much. And, so, and it's a process for a lot, a lot of us. But the desire should be to strive towards that place of forgiveness and to live in that calling because every single one of us are called to that. So I want to read, and it, I, it's probably just a reminder of what forgiveness is based on all the sermons that we've heard over the past few weeks. But I want to read a description from Thomas Watson, a book called Body of Divinity, which describes forgiveness in a very biblical way. And we're going to go through a few scriptures um, to, to, to show that. So when do we forgive others is the question. The answer is when we strive against all sorts of revenge. When we will, do, when we will not do our enemies mischief, but wish well to them. Grieve at their calamities. This is adding even more. And I'll show you the scripture that, that, that backs us up. Pray for them. Seek reconciliation with them and show ourselves ready on all occasions to actually relieve them. Just level after level after level. But this is what the Bible says. This is a very biblical definition of forgiveness. Because each part comes from a passage of scripture. The first part saying that we resist thoughts of revenge. From Romans twelve nineteen. it says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The second part of the description says, "Don't seek to do the mischief." In 1 Thessalonians 5:15, like the scripture we've read before, says, "See no, see that no one repays another with evil for evil." In the description, when it says, "Wish well to them," in Luke 6:28, it says, "Bless those who curse you." This is our call. This is what we're being charged with. I urge you to to receive it and just 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 take it in. The fourth part of the description says, "Grieve at their calamities." grieving at the calamities of your enemy. In Proverbs 24:17 it says do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. The next part of the description says to pray for them. Matthew 5:44 says but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know just when I was just to pause there when I, in the, the run up to preparing for today I I often hear the word persecution and I think about the churches in the Middle East and in the East and obviously we know what's happened in Sri Lanka and um, you know I'm sure many of us have been praying um, for that as well. It's really hard to, to, to imagine not only just praying for, because these are, these are enemies of, 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 of Christians, they set out to kill Christians. That was their aim. That was a goal. It's really hard to imagine praying even for the people that did it as well. But there is a standard. There is a call that God enables us to fulfill. It's not in our own strength that we can do that. But we know that eternity is set. We pray and we hope that the ones that were attacked are in heaven. We know that there is an eternity. We know there is an eternity for us. So we should not fear the harm. when we're eager to do good. When we know we're doing the right thing, our conscience can be clear because Christ affirms us in that. Right. The next part of the description says, seek reconciliation with your enemy. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. All men. Not just your family, not just the ones that do good to you. All men. And then the final part of the description says, be always willing to come to their relief. In Exodus 23, 4, it says, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall return it to him. That's even just going a step forward. You've forgiven, you've prayed for them, you've um, seek to reconcile with them, so you're you're civil, you can chat now, probably. But to go even a step further and actually come to their relief, to do something, an action for them. But, you know, as difficult as all of this is, how different is it from the way the world works? And how much of a witness would it be if we were to live this out and act this out in our day-to-day lives? I think especially for me at work, you know, when it's so, it's so easy to, to kind of get upset with somebody when they've slapped a piece of work on you or done something wrong to you, but how powerful of a witness would it be to be able to accept something like that? Knowing in, in, in your mind that, that actually We've been bought with a price that there really, really isn't anything that we're entitled to because everything that is good has been given to us. We're undeserved of the favor and grace that God gives us. So, you know, we, 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 should, we should forgive. So here is forgiveness. This is, this is a summary. It's resisting revenge, not returning evil for evil, wishing them well, grieving at their calamities, praying for their welfare, seeking reconciliation and coming to their aid in distress. All these point to a forgiving heart. And the heart is important, as I said again, jesus says in eighteen thirty five unless you forgive your brother from your heart I want to um just close with this this um this last um this last piece. it's from charles Spurgeon, and um it's from a sermon it's just a little excerpt from a sermon that he um that he preached um in two stages, so one at one point in time and one at another point in time, and I just want you to take note of the differences between between the two. So in the first part, it says, "My life was full of sorrow and wretchedness, believing I was lost." This is where he's acknowledging what Christ has done for him. But oh, the blessed gospel of the grace of of of, of the God of grace came to me, and with it a sovereign word, "Deliver him," and I, who was but a minute before as wretched as a soul could be, could have danced for the very merriment of heart. And as the snow fell on my road home from the little house of prayer, I thought every snowflake talked with me and told of pardon I had found, for I was white as a driven snow through the grace of God. We think this, this is a very eloquent, poetic description of, of his, his feelings and how he felt when he was saved, when he was justified. And you know, I, I encourage us to, to, to constantly come back to that. Come back to that sense, knowing and revisiting the cross and understanding what God has done for us, Pray to the Lord, lead me to the cross every time. Lead me to the cross. It's one of the lyrics from my favorite song even come to mind. Lead me to the cross where your blood poured out. Bring me to my knees. I Lay me down. It's coming before the Lord and and, and acknowledging, like we do with communion every week, of what, what he does for us. So that we can come to a position where we understand the forgiveness, the vastness, or at least try to understand it because we can't fathom it. Later on in another sermon, Spurgeon goes on to add on after he's started to understand it more and more, the forgiveness. To be forgiven is such sweetness that honey is tasteless in comparison with it. But yet there is one thing sweeter still, and that is to forgive. As it is more blessed to give than to receive. So to forgive rises a stage higher in experience than to be forgiven. That's really... um, that really that really did hit, hit home with me, I think. We can be forgiven, but then there's a stage higher for us as Christians. It's something to, to go up to, and that is to forgive, to give out and to forgive freely, because there is a blessing that not only comes to the person that's been forgiven, but there is a blessing for us, where we find healing, where we find restoration, where we no longer are, feel, feel overly entitled but receive a humility and an understanding of who we are in the light of God's grace and his forgiveness for us. So I implore you, think of forgiveness as a witness and use it as such. It's really powerful. Yeah, amen. Cool.